You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Uh, uh, ring, ring. Who's that? Who's that? What you want? What kind of way is that to answer the phone? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, all that jazz and jive. Today is the first ever episode of the Packernet Podcast. That is not going to be the name forever, but it's all I got for today. I got, I got nothing, man. All right, I, I, I don't have any ideas, and I spent so much time thinking about stupid names. You would not believe the amount of time I spent trying to work out a new intro, right? I mean, that little intro that I gave you. That that took me a while, but then on top of all that goodness, I'm trying to find new music and all this stuff to go with it, and so, oh yeah, it's going to be great. Dude, just get to it, man. You know what I mean? It's crazy. But here's how this is going to work. I have a phone number that you can call. No, not because we're buddies. We're not going to call and hang out and chat. Uh, I don't answer the phone number. It's just a voicemail. So you're sitting up late at night. You have a thought that occurs to you. You pick up your phone. I would encourage you, by the way, to put this phone number, save it in your phone as, um, you know, therapist or whatever you want to save it as. And when that thought occurs, you dial the number, you leave a message. Okay. Packers related, ideally, if not, doesn't really matter, man, whatever you want to do. But that number, 608-501-0718, 608-501-0718, call it, leave a message, see how it goes. But I don't want to waste any more time. We got some super, super good calls to get to. So I'm just going to kick it off with our first call of the day. Caller, where are you calling from? Oh, that was a quick beep. Hey, y'all. Um, this is uh, Dakota Muller. Y'all probably know me better as um, Bat Nerd or Mr. Underscore, underscore Redbeard 2 yep. on Twitter. Uh, anyway, I, I was just calling. I wasn't prepared. No, good. But, yeah. No. Huh? I'm gonna start this over. Yeah, because I was not prepared for a beat that quick. <laughs> I'll be back. Okay, thanks for your call, Mister Beard Bird, Weird Nerd Bird guy. Oh, like I said, we've got some great content for you today, folks. I'm glad you tuned in. I want to uh, take a minute though before we get to any more uh, calls to uh, spend a s- send a special shout out to Mister JJ because obviously he was. Um, the main driving force in getting people to call in, whether that was um, because he paid them to call in and ask ridiculous questions, which we'll get to in a minute, or simply because people hate JJ. And I don't know why that is, and I I don't stand for it on this show. I am going to give examples, but I personally hate it, and I think it's disgusting, and I, I think you need to leave him alone. He's a good human being. But with that said, why don't we get to our next caller who hates JJ? Hey, JJ. You smell, like, so bad. Like, so bad. It's it, like I can smell you from Indiana. It's so bad. Yeah. Bye. Again, will not tolerate that kind of nonsense on this program. JJ is a really, really good human being who, again, cares so much about this particular program. He, he physically paid people to uh, call into the show. I have an example of that as well. Uh, let, let's get to that real quick. Here's our buddy Bruce, who clearly got paid a lot. It had to have been at least $100 to call in with this nonsense. Pack Daddy, this is Bruce from Packers Without Borders again. Second question, why is J.J., J.J. Leahy, a better analyst than you? You can tell it was painful for him to even get the words out of his mouth, but let's start there because we we got we to gotta start this at some point. we got to get past the nonsense, uh, which we haven't done yet. We're still dealing with nonsense, but we're getting somewhere. 
Uh, the answer is he's not. He's stupid and he stinks, as our last caller so aptly pointed out. But why don't we get to a more serious question? Let's get to Bruce's first question of the day. What's up, Pack Daddy? This is Bruce from Packers Without Borders. My bold prediction that I am sticking to is that the Lions will be 10-7 and seven and second in the NFC North. Refute this because all I see is Eagles 0-1, Commanders 1-1, Vikings 1-2, Seahawks 2-2, Patriots 2-3, Cowboys 2-4, Dolphins 3-4, Packers 3-5. But then it's the Bears to get them to 4-5, Lions to 5-5, they lose to the Bills 6-5, Jags 6-6, they beat the Vikings the second time around in December, seven, Jets eight, Panthers nine, Bears again ten, lose to the Packers in the closer, ten and seven, second place in the division. Top five offensive line. Looks like they're going in the right to de- the right direction. Lions be lions, man, but I really feel second in the NFC North, ten and seven. Peace out, brother. Hope you're hanging in there and doing well. Well, I was doing well, Bruce, until you called and said JJ is better than me, and now I am in a state of deep depression. But let's get to your question. The, um, the, the main issue I have with the Detroit Lions is their defense has got to be one of the worst in football. I know they just got Hutchinson, right? Cool for them. Got Hutch. But let's, let's do what you did um, and go through their schedule, because it, it, it is kind of a cake schedule. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sitting here kind of chuckling at your prediction, and then you're going through some of the teams, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they, 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 and they uh, those also suck a little bit. And, yeah, the Bears twice, that's, that's two wins automatically. But I'm going to challenge you to something here, Bruce. Instead of just looking at teams that suck and say, I believe in the Lions, and I know they have a good offensive line and they'll probably score points, ask this question. Is this team going to be stopped by the Lions' defense? Philadelphia Eagles, no chance. Eagles are, I mean, Jalen Hurts, for whatever he's worth, is going to be able to operate behind one of the best offensive lines in football with one of the best tight ends in football, one of the best rushing teams in football. And on top of that, they got Devontae Smith going into year number two, who is real solid. You got A.J. Brown, who they just acquired. They, They are going to embarrass the Detroit Lions, absolutely embarrass them. Washington, I understand Washington isn't great, but Carson Wentz, Terry McLaurin, again, a good offensive line. They got Jahan Dotson. Not sure what he's going to be able to do, but I think that's enough. I mean, I'm telling you, this, this Lions defense is so... Un- the corners. Do you know what the PFF grades for the corners are? Amani Aruarie is their number one corner with a 59 overall grade. Okuda had a 53. Parker, whoever in the world that is, ranked 110th out of 116 with a 48 overall grade. Their defensive tackles rank 100th and 104th out of 109. Linebackers have a 35 overall grade and a 28 overall grade. This, is, this isn't this is even, saying this is the worst defense in football isn't doing it justice. This is beyond pathetic. And so we can scoff at Washington all you want, but Terry McLaurin ha- is going to run into no interference. They have zero ability to stop anything as far as running the ball. There is no pressure on Carson Wentz. Maybe Carson Wentz is glass. He won't make it to week four. He doesn't have to. He's got to make it to week two. Minnesota? <sighs> Death. Death and destruction and chaos will rain down on Detroit. Actually, it won't because it's not even in Detroit. It's in Minnesota. They've got two games at home in which they will be 0-2. They will go to Minnesota and they will be slaughtered in Minnesota. Not because I respect Minnesota, but Justin Jefferson by himself will score 17 touchdowns. Seattle? I don't know. 
It all kind of comes down to the quarterback, but let me put it this way. Yes, they've got some issues. Yes, Drew Locke might be the starting quarterback, and that's a little iffy. But they drafted two offensive tackles that are going to be starting there. I don't know if they're any good, but whatever offensive line they had last year, they got two new tackles. On top of that, you're still dealing with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They ranked 12th and 14th via PFF last year. They still got it, whatever it is. And again, who's stopping those guys? On top of that, it's still a team that loves to run the ball, still has Chris Carson as their running back, who's a good running back. It's still a team that is able to run the ball, despite having a horrific offensive line. And again, worst defensive tackles and linebackers in all of football. It's, it's close. I think Seattle has this one. Patriots, give me a break. In Foxborough, no chance. Lions are going to get annihilated. Then they get there unbelievably early by. They come out of their bye week. You think, okay, they're rested. Here we go. We got it going. This is our chance. We're going to get our first win. And we need it because we're certainly not going to win a lot at the end of the season because of our early bye week. We're all going to be decimated and injured and tired and gasping for air. Who do we get the benefit of going up against? Oh, why, why it's the Dallas Cowboys. Hello, Dallas. With a solid offensive line and a top 10 quarterback in Dak Prescott that not only is a decent thrower of the ball, but can also, you know, do things with his feet when he feels like it. Ezekiel Elliott, not as good as he used to be, but against the Lions, he may as well be peak Adrian Peterson. And of course, they still have Gallup and CeeDee Lamb and Schultz at tight end. And for good measure, they drafted another wide receiver because who doesn't need 17 wide receivers? So third round rookie Jalen Tolbert will also be around just in case they need a little extra something, which they won't because it's the freaking Lions, Bruce. Miami, you think you got me? You think you got me with Miami? You don't got me with Miami, Bruce. You got nothing, dude. Tua with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, even Cedric Wilson, their number three wide receiver that doesn't even matter, ranked 44th. Gesicki at tight end. I know Tua's not great, but neither is Goff. And by the way, Miami's defense, heads and tails better than Detroit's. Solid defense. Kind of scary defense. No chance. Packers, give me a break. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. I know I'm not getting any resistance here from anybody, but (laughs) give me a freaking break. Chicago, all right. I mean, I can cruise through this and just say, yeah, you're probably right just for the sake of it, but why why not sit and marinate on this one for a little bit? Who sucks more? Hmm. Well, we've been over Detroit and their woes, but on the other hand, Sam Mustafer and whatnot, and this horrific offensive line, Got to worry about the Lions linebackers, but at the same time, who are they threatened by? Cole Komet? <laughs> oh, I kid. Arawarie is not great, but I mean, it's just Mooney. I think he'll survive. Parker, the slot guy, sucks, but you know, Pringle, if he's even legally allowed to play football this year, not super great. And then Jeff Okuda, one of the most regarded, highly regarded cornerbacks to come out of college football, his big task of the year is to stop Equinemius St. Brown. So Hutchinson should have a clear path to Justin Fields, who absolutely falls apart anytime anyone's near him, cries like a little girl and whatnot. But then there's Montgomery, the running back, so maybe they'll get some yards on the ground. I don't know, man, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Lions win. New York Giants, again, we can look at it and say, well, the Giants suck, and the uh, Detroit, they've got a little bit of fire. They've got a little bit, of, little bit of oomph to them and whatnot. Got the offense rocking and rolling. Maybe they can do some stuff. Maybe they can. I don't know. But can they stop Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney and Saquon Barkley? Are we just saying we know that to be the case? I don't know that to be the case. They just drafted another early round offensive tackle to pair with Thomas, who they got a couple years ago, who's a solid offensive tackle. I'm not saying I know Detroit loses to the Giants, but I would lean Giants maybe a little bit in New York. It's now week 11, several weeks after our 
very early by. It's our another game on the road after getting bludgeoned by Green Bay and Detroit. Then we got to go to Chicago, get bludgeoned there. We got to go back on the road to New York, get bludgeoned out there. Follow that up with Buffalo. You get to go home and get embarrassed in, in Detroit. Fortunately, nobody ever goes there. Nobody's going to watch it happen, so that's nice, but still bludgeoned. Jacksonville, I mean, I, I maybe could give you that, but I don't know that I can definitively. It's not the worst offensive line in the world. Trevor Lawrence was horrible, but, I mean, are we going to just give up on the guy? I can't get the universe to give up on Justin Fields, but we're going to give up on Trevor freaking Lawrence. Again, one of the the premier guys to come. Well, we haven't seen anybody like this since Luck. He has one bad year with one of the worst head coaches in history while the, the entire organization is in a giant scandal and everything's just a disaster. And suddenly we just cannot see Trevor Lawrence winning. By the way, we spent all our money going out and getting this guy wide receivers and we brought in Travis Etienne and we brought in Brandon Scherf to block along the offensive line. Spent a billion dollars on Christian Kirk in the slot. But I mean, you know, maybe... Zay Jones, Marvin Jones Jr., probably still better than you would think, actually, looking at him. He's still kind of the same. 32 years old, he's still kind of clipping along as the same old average wide receiver, which is plenty good if you're just trying to be average and beat Detroit, which they might. Just saying, I don't know that we can 100% give up on them and say that there's no chance that, uh, you know, Jacksonville ends up winning this game. Minnesota again, yeah, I could maybe say they split, but I could also just look at it and say Vikings are better, so they win. Jets are a joke. It's entirely true, but the same thing can be said with Zach Wilson. He's got one of the better offensive lines to operate behind. They went out and drafted Garrett Wilson. They've got Elijah Moore from last year, who was really, really solid. They got Corey Davis, the wide receiver that everybody seems to have forgot was a good wide receiver because let's face it, he sucked last year because he's a Jet, but still good wide receiver. So they got three wide receivers, a really good offensive line, and they drafted one of the better running backs, Brees Hall, if not the best running back in the draft this year. That's their offense. It's just a matter of can Zach Wilson not be the worst quarterback in football this year or one of the worst? If the answer to that question is, yeah, kind of, that's good enough for me, Jets win. Especially in New York, again, back on the road after being embarrassed by the Vikings for the second time. Then you got Carolina. Carolina just got Baker Mayfield. Changes the dynamic slightly. Not entirely. I mean, we're still dealing with a mediocre quarterback, and he's in a much worse situation than he was. He went from one of the better offensive lines to one of the worst offensive lines. He has one wide receiver, which is nice. And of course, Christian McCaffrey is always always a bonus. And I don't know how in the world they're going to stop Christian McCaffrey. Kind of a, a horse apiece here. They did draft uh, Kamakwanu, which is nice. And Taylor Moten's a solid right tackle. So I don't know. I would lean Carolina, but who knows? Chicago Bears, I'll give them another win and then a loss to the Packers. So, so I'm looking at this Loss, 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 loss. Beat the Bears. Let's see. You got Bears, Giants, Jaguars, Jets, Panthers, Bears again. That's six. And I'm not saying they win all of those, but you probably win. You know, you could add Seattle in the mix, maybe split with Minnesota into the mix. That gets you to eight if they win every single one of those, but they're not going to win every single one of those. So I'm saying maybe they get to five or six, maybe 10 though. 10 though? I don't know, dude. I don't see it. I don't see it at all. But anyways, um, this has all been about JJ up to this point, so we might as well just clear the board and get to JJ's call right here. See what he has to say. It's your boy JJ. Um, Yep. By the time you are doing any sort of recording, should be July 10th, so I'm calling in to see if I can get a happy birthday. No. And uh, also, keep looking at free agent edge rusher options man you know justin houston's off the table yep. there's a couple other guys out there but you know i'm looking for 
the 2022 version of Whitney Merciless. So, if you got any ideas, I'm super interested. <laughs> I promise it was an accident to cut off his Go Pack Go. I didn't. It's, it's such long pauses, JJ. All right. I thought you were done like nine times. But, anyways, I'm. I'm 73% sure he called in, um, not to get my opinion on this, but because he's he's given his opinion and, and wants me to air that. So I'll, I'll do that. Even if that's not the reason he's doing this, I'm going to do that anyways, because I'm, I'm going to be lazy and not go through a list of available edge rushers and go through my thoughts on all of them, because they, I don't know, I just don't like any of them. I mean, I do, that, that's not true. They're fine. And yeah, I'll, I'll dig in a little bit more. But the problem with free agents at this point is that you go through the list and you look at it and you go, eh, that's probably why they're not on a team right now. It's, that would make sense. But beyond that, I thought uh, JJ did bring up a pretty good point, and it was in our uh, group Discord and whatnot that he brought it up. So um, I'll let you know what he said as soon as I can find it. It's also solid because it uh, kind of brought up some stuff that I completely forgot about, but he was looking at uh, free agent pass rusher Carl Nassib. Now, the guy is not you know the greatest pass rusher in the history of the world, um, but he's been decent. He's been high 60s basically his entire career. He's dumped, jumped around from team to team, which always scares me when teams are just kind of like, eh, this guy, you know, we're, we're going to move on. But two years at Cleveland, first year as a rookie, not super great. He was a third-round pick, so, you know, took a little bit of time. But he kind of got into the swing of things starting in year two at Cleveland with his 64 overall grade, primarily a uh, run defender, at least for a period of time. 27 pressures, 349 attempts, not exactly what you're looking for, almost identical the very next year, 27 pressures, 346 attempts. That was in Tampa, 68 overall grade, again, better run defender than pass rusher. Um, Then in 2019 in Tampa, you see the pass rush start to get a little bit better, 36 pressures, 389 attempts, getting closer to that 10%, he got six sacks. So we're getting there. Then he goes to Las Vegas. He goes to the Raiders. 31 pressures, 277 attempts. Bang, bang, boom. That's what you're looking for. Now the sacks went down. So everybody probably looks at it and goes, well, he had six sacks, six sacks, then down to three, then down to two. The guy's washed up. He's a bum. I don't care about sacks. I care about pressures. And he went ahead and got himself 11%. Even the next year, which uh, seemingly was kind of a bad year, but even, even that, not exactly. And there's some actually really good news about all this. 14 pressures, 135 attempts, slightly above 10%. However, there is something else worth noting here. If you remember, there was a bit of a controversy last year. And I don't remember why I even talked about this, but I, I did. Probably just because it was big public news or whatever. But um, maybe we... Did we play the Raiders? I don't know. I'll, well, there was a controversy with Gruden. His emails got leaked, all that stuff. And it was week five going into the game against Chicago. Maybe that's why it was, because it was against Chicago, and Chicago won, and I went in-depth as to why Chicago shouldn't be excited about that. I'm almost positive that's what it was. Anyways, all those emails got leaked, and a lot of players were upset by that. Not everybody. Some players don't care. But again, everybody's a individual. Some people react differently to certain things. Some people are like, I don't care, dude. I just play football. I <laughs> Whatever. Other people, it's like, you know, that was my coach, and he said some things that really hurt me. Carl Nassib is... As we found out, gay, and there were slurs that were in Gruden's email. So the the thought process was he was kind of hurt by that whole thing. Well, he had the worst game of his entire career against Chicago. But it's not just that. Not only was it a 26.7 overall grade, the guy was just flat out useless. Sorry if his feelings are hurt. I'm just, you know, the reality, he sucked. Here's the thing, though. Prior to that game, here are his grades 81, 68, 80, 82. He was on a warpath to have his best season ever. 
He had four pressures in week one, then zero, then, then one after that. He had five pressures in three weeks. He had a 90.4 pass rush grade in week one against Baltimore. He was clearly on a path to um, have his best season. After week four, though, here are his grades. So he got a 26 in week five, then a 45, 55, 54, 59, and 60. He slowly started to come back, but he was clearly not in the right headspace. And then he started to come back in week 12. He had a 90 overall grade in that game, played very limited snaps, but still, then a 56, not great, then a 73 and a 67. The point is, the last four weeks, the light's kind of flickering back on. He started real strong, he ended real strong, right in the middle, clear, I mean, it could not be any more clear as day to pretend that that hadn't, he even, I mean, he took time off. So to say it didn't affect him is silly. Of course it did. He said it did. He, he literally walked away from the team for a while, just or for a day or whatever it was, because it was so bothered by the news. All that to say, leaving aside whatever issues he has with Gruden and the Raiders, this might be a guy that was about to hit his stride here. And even at his, at his worst, he's wildly consistent as a mediocre pass rusher. Even his, his rookie year, he had 500 pressures. He, he doesn't miss time. He doesn't miss snaps. He goes out, he's consistent. And even if he's consistently average, who's better against the run than against the pass, so what? So what? Now, the biggest issue I'm going to have is scheme fit because, you know, we employ outside linebackers and Carl Nassib is not. He is six foot seven, two seventy five, and he plays as a down defensive end. Now, maybe he could kick inside. I don't know. And I know we play a lot of diamond nickel and, and whatnot sub packages a lot of the time so we're going to be able to utilize that but y- you can't really have guys that only do one thing right if he's out there and you're saying well once he's out there you can't employ outside linebackers well if they go hurry up offense i guess that means we just don't get to use that anymore we can't go in base period that doesn't work you got to have guys that are versatile the pass rushers we employ can stand up and be hand in the dirt period if you can't do both you can't play In his 371 snaps last year, he was a stand-up outside linebacker once. The year prior, out of 475, he did it five times. Out of 475 snaps, five times, he stood up. With that said, with other teams, he was utilized more as an outside linebacker. 291 times with um, Tampa in uh, 2019. About 100 times the year before that. Now, I think he was better when he was with the Raiders, so you kind of look at it and say, well, you know, It's a better fit, so it makes sense he got better with the Raiders. But I don't know, man. The point is, again, no matter what team he was with, no matter what uh, scheme he was with, even if he's a 9-ish, 10-ish percent pass rusher, if he's cheap enough, why not? So I don't know. I'm not saying it's my top pick, but there is sort of that light bulb that went off that was like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He might be a lot better than what we think he is. Anyways, I want to take this time to take a little bit of a break about halfway through the questions and whatnot. So. Actually, I think we have two left, but it doesn't matter, man. It doesn't matter. Okay, just relax. Why don't we take a break? We'll be right back with some more questions. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited 
about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Who's that? Hey, Ryan, this is Adam from Roberts, Wisconsin. Since it's the dead part of the offseason, I figured we'd bring up a very important topic that hasn't been discussed in a while. I think it's time BJ Raji comes out of retirement, switches his number to 88, and plays fullback for the Packers this upcoming season since, you know, we need some fullback depth, and I think he'd be a great lead blocker. Uh, a, a possible formation could be like goal line situations. Raji, fullback, Dylan, halfback, right up the gut. Let me know what you think. Have a good one. Bye. I think it's brilliant. I think it's stellar. That is, um, that's amazing, man. I do have a couple questions. First of all, what is uh, Mr. Raji up to? By the way, I hate to do this, but I, I, I googled him, BJ Raji, and of course Wikipedia pops up and he gives you his real name. And I'm looking at that like, dude, is BJ Raji an Indian? Like, I, maybe I should have known that. His last name is Raji. You know what I mean? But it's Busari Alamu Raji. Now I got to click on his Wikipedia to find out what his dad's up to. I guess that could be an African name. It seems Indian, though. Probably African. I don't know, man. I wonder about these things sometimes. That's all. Busari Alamu Raji. It's not as cool, but it sounds scarier. You know? His dad was probably super upset when he started going by BJ. Like, dude, no. You don't understand. Your name means, like, Golden Warrior, dude. Why, why do you, BJ, that's stupid. What are you doing to our family here? Anyways, I'm curious what Mr. Raji's up to. Primarily what I'm curious about, I don't really care too much about what he's doing. I want to make sure he's still, like, 337 pounds. That's the first thing, because I, mean, I don't care, you know, about the age. We're not asking him to do too much. I mean, he's, he's, like, a couple months older than I am, and I'm pretty sure I could handle the workload in terms of what we're asking him to do. Not physically, in terms of being big enough, strong enough. I'm just saying, like, can you run forward five yards? Like, I can handle that. Here's what I'm thinking, though. I don't know if we should rush into this. Let's just, let's just stop for a second and think about it. It seems at this point, like, if, if we announced the signing of BJ Raji July 13th, I feel like it would just be kind of a laughing stock, and people would be like, this is stupid. And then we'd start talking about how he's probably just going to get cut. Like, is this just some weird, stupid thing? You know what I mean? It's, it's just... It's like, what are, what are we doing here? It's cool for like 30 seconds and then, you know, it gets made fun of by the media and, you know, week one, maybe we try to do something and nothing happens. And it's like, this is, what are we doing? This is embarrassing. What I think needs to happen if we're really going to do this, and I think we should consider it, if we're doing this, this needs to be a postseason thing. I, I don't think there's any way to sign somebody without it becoming public, but if there's any way possible that we could sign him and nobody finds out, and we're playing, let's say, the 49ers in the playoffs, and we're down 17 points at halftime, and we're struggling. We come out third quarter, and we drive down, and it's just this brutal drive down. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're grinding our way down, and we're just bleeding from our eyes getting down to the goal line. 
first down, nothing. Second down, nothing. Third down, nothing. And then... You feeling it? Are you feeling that? Right? Uh. Yes. Then you just, you just hit it. He comes out. You know what I mean? Oh, and he can do the dance. The pelvic dance he does. Uh. He's just pointing. Can you, can you see? Can you feel it? He's pointing right now. His helmet's off. You know, doing the, the ear, the hand to the ear thing. I can feel it. I can feel it right now happening. He comes running out. You know, the, I mean, the clock is ticking, so we, we got to kind of speed it up a little bit. But he's he's putting his helmet on. He's running out there. Um, I I I could see it, man. I could see it going down. Again, I don't I don't know how we make it happen and nobody finds out. Maybe we know about it, but then we we forget or something. I don't know. But you you hit the music. You get the lights going. Maybe we maybe we can get Hulk to come out. I think he's a he's a Florida guy. He's probably not a Packer fan, but he's also I believe hurting for money. So we could probably. Uh, couple thousand dollars might do it. I'm not positive. Might as well get Favre out here too. I hear he's he's having financial issues, but I don't know what he would contribute. Point is, Hulk's out there, right? Maybe maybe he puts his boa on BJ Raji. I, again, there's a play clock here. We we'll take a timeout for this. It's worth it. It's it's an important play. We've got to make sure the play's right, even though we know what it is. But we're gonna take a timeout, so we got a little bit extra time for theatrics. But he puts his boa on BJ Raji. Raji runs out. Right, we forgot he was on the freaking team because it's just like, what? What are we doing? And then it's like it clicks, and it's like, what? You know? I mean, again, you've got to feel this, and it changes everything, right? And that's when the 49ers slash Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whoever idiots are in our way, they realize something's about to go down. Something's different. It's BJ Raji's coming out on the field, right? And then, um, then we then we punch it in. I, it's not my question, all right? I didn't ask the question. Don't get mad at me. Adam from Roberts, Wisconsin is the one that brought it up. I'm just, I'm just bringing in the flair, man. Ric Flair. Oh, what's he doing? You think Ric Flair would come out? That'd be crazy. Point is, I can see the vision. If we can't get BJ Raji, and let's just say you can't get Ric Flair and, and Hulk Hogan, fine, fine. We'll, we'll drop the theatrics. Maybe there's a TJ Slayton package, or better yet, I got it. A Jonathan Ford package. Chris, Chris Slayton. I, who cares? It, the point is, we could try it. Why not? But Matt LaFleur likes getting a bigger, stronger offense going. We've already got A.J. Dillon. we got some you know, big, mean dudes on the offensive line. Maybe it is time to call up Ford or somebody. I'm, I'm a fan. I like it. We'll start with B.J. Raji. By the way, um, I can actually make phone calls from here and record it, which would be kind of funny. If you have any ideas, if anybody has BJ Raji's phone number, hit me up. I'll call him and, and I'll record the conversation. I'm guessing his phone number isn't on the, uh, the Wikipedia page here. I don't know if he's got a website or something. We'll figure it out. We'll give him a call. Hopefully give him a call live on the show. See if he's willing to come back. If we, maybe, maybe if we can sweeten the pot. Maybe we can call Hulk. See if we can get a commitment from Hulk. Then go back to calling BJ. We'll get this going, man. We'll figure it out. Anyways, uh, final call of the day from Andy from Kansas. Hi, Ryan. This is Andy from Kansas. Hi, Andy from Kansas. So I was thinking uh, you had mentioned, I forget who was on with the show, maybe it was when you did the interview with JJ, and you guys were talking about how much of a hit the uh, YouTube channel, kind of the live get-together was, you know, it's the fun. draft specifically. Yeah. And I thought, I wonder if it's possible to do something like that again, 
not while watching a Packers game, but instead watching like another NFC North team play. It it kind of made me think of the uh, like a live ver- like a live YouTube version of a laughing at the enemy. That is brilliant. Segment. Um, That's brilliant. It could be a, you know an analysis time too when, when it comes to divisional opponents and stuff like that. So curious if that is uh, a possible kind of you know crossover, yeah. for lack of a better term. Uh, the other the other uh, question I had was, what do you think? We'll pause it. We'll pause it. We don't want to get into part two before we finish part one. Um, brilliant idea, really. Is we we've talked a lot about different things we could do for YouTube. It's hard in the off-season because there's not a whole lot going on. I think a lot of the guys still want to be able to do a roundtable, and I think uh, we're going to be pushing for that. But, you know, again, it's it's a roundtable talking about, you know, off-season topics. But, yeah, I think that is a fantastic idea, um, especially since my whole thing is I'm not going to do a live stream during a football game because I want to watch it with my son and I can't do both. I mean, I, I might be able to do both, but I probably can't do both. If it's like a Bears game or something, yeah, maybe I can. I don't know. Maybe I can. Either way, somebody's going to be able to do it, and we can get it set up so that there's some kind of a live stream going on. But it is a good time getting everybody together and just laughing and joking and being stupid. And, um, yeah, I think that's a uh, – I, I love that you phrased it as a live laughing at the enemy because that's exactly what it would need to be. That's what I would demand it be. And it would be it would be glorious. All right, I apologize for interrupting. Please continue. Will be the turning point in the upcoming season. And what I mean by that is is well, the turning point of 2019 was playing the Niners in the regular season, getting crushed, and knowing that probably will get crushed in the playoffs, which happened. Same thing with the Buccaneers in 2020, although we didn't really get crushed in the NFC Championship game, but we just ran into a team that we didn't want to play. In the poses, and you talked about this a lot. 2021, the turning point was just the bad special teams all season, I think. So I'm curious what you think 2022's turning point will be. Well, do you think it will be a game? Do you think it will be um, a positional group that improves? Uh, of course, I'm looking at a turning point that turns out very, very positive. Um, but I'm curious what you think that that might actually be. So just some thoughts. Thanks. Bye. So the confusion I have, I guess, is with the phrase turning point, because as I was listening, I was thinking, I think what you are implying by turning point is almost like a bad omen, because it really wasn't a turning point. It was, um, for example, when we lost to the 49ers, it's not like that turned our season towards something negative, and that was when things spiraled out of control. It, nothing actually turned. It was more of a uh, an omen to things to come. Same with the Buccaneers, and then special teams. Not really. It could technically be an omen, but it, it, it's so. I, I, I guess what I'm. If there's a common thread here, it's there's a thing that points to something being negative, and you're looking for something being positive, something like that. I guess I, I don't entirely know, but I'm I'm going to take a crack at it, man, because that's what I do here. That is literally every day for the last five years. I have just taken a crack at this. Well, the Sort of the low-hanging fruit here, I guess, although, I don't know. I don't know if this would do it, but if we're looking for a positive omen, it would be week three at Tampa. And that's for a couple reasons. Number one, there's a, a, a mystique about Florida and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers not being able to win in Florida, especially early when it's hot and all that stuff. 
And then there's also that thing where we lose to a quality opponent like Tampa, and then that signals the fact that we're about to lose to them in the postseason, et cetera, et cetera. So you could say we go into Tampa, everyone's expecting the, here comes that game. Here comes the game where, you know, we lose to Tom Brady, we lose to an NFC team that's just better than us, we lose to a Florida opponent. Um, here comes here here comes the disappointment. Here comes the horrible, terrible thing that's that's um just destiny at this point. And we go in there and we just march all over them. And that is the signal that um, all is well. And you can get more specific if you want. You could say the offensive line does a better job of, of blocking. Aaron Rodgers does a good job of distributing the ball. You know, all the things that specifically went wrong where, you know, Rodgers is getting hung up, not making good decisions. The offensive line can't block. Our pass rushers can't get home, whatever. Those things don't happen. It is a top to bottom, four quarter performance, run the ball, pass the ball, pass defense, run defense. We win by a, a, a handsome margin. And there's never a point in that game where you think, oh, this is about to go poorly, right? It's not like a, a third quarter comeback. It's just, we score first and we never lose the lead. And it was just a comfortable, I can't believe this is happening type of game. To me, that would be somewhat of an omen, or as you put it, a turning point. Um, looking at the schedule, there's not a ton of others. You could point to a team like Buffalo, although that's AFC, but you could still say high quality opponent that we end up beating. Um, the Rams, not necessarily because we're probably expected to beat the Rams. We, we tend to beat the Rams, so that wouldn't necessarily be it. So as far as opponents, Tampa week three would probably be it. Um, if you wanted to say position group like special teams, that would be the one that comes to mind is our special teams is, is really, really good. The, the other one would probably be, and, and I guess it could be one of two things. Number one, the passing offense is not a problem. That would be one thing where everybody looks at it and just kind of goes, well, all right, we're, we're going to be okay. The one caveat to that would be if the defense isn't as good as we thought, which you could also put as another own, the defense ends up being that elite dominant unit that we're kind of hoping and praying that it becomes. So it could be a lot of different things, I guess. But any of those, let's say three things, would be things that could happen that immediately we look at it and go, okay, this might be for real. Beating Tampa, um, Aaron Rodgers and the, the ability to pass the ball, you know, passing offense. I'm not even saying wide receivers necessarily. Our ability to throw the ball is not hampered. And number three would be our defense is, is every bit as good, if not better than, than maybe we were expecting it to be. So anyways, that's it, man. That's, that's all she wrote. And if nobody calls back, this will be the only ever late night Packers after dark Packer night podcast. And I appreciate you for uh, hanging out with me. If you'd like to have some more of these 608-501-0718, again, just put it in your phone, save it, speed dial, you know, push four, save it as Packernet, save it as football thoughts, save it as notes, save it as therapist, whatever it is you want to save it as. You know, you had a really crazy dream. Let, let me know about it, man. I need to, I, I want to hear from you. Call it in. Give the, give the number out to your Bears fans, friends, your Vikings fans, friends. Just be like, hey, you got You want to talk trash? Stop talking to me. Call this number. Leave me a message. Here's my new number. <laughs> Anyways, you guys have yourselves a good night. I will talk to you bright and early tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Come on.